May I speak in the name of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. If I'm ever chatting to anyone about ministry of any sort, whether it's a newly ordained priest, whether it's someone considering whether God might be calling them to ordination, or whether it's just anyone saying, well, how are we meant to be ministering? There's two things I suggest are useful to think about, to get in order. One of which is spiritual direction. The other of which is confession, whether that's a sacramental confession or whether that's examining our life and quite what we're doing or not doing. For me as a Catholic, actual sacramental confession is important. For others, not so much so, and it's done in other ways, I acknowledge. My spiritual director I've been going to for some years. He lives in South London. I used to go and see him from Dorking on the train. Then I used to fly over from Guernsey to see him, combining it with some other reason for being in the UK. Then chatting to him on the phone and Zoom over lockdown. And now, to be honest, we use FaceTime. I've not met him in person for a long time, which is a shame because, as with all vicarages, there's a downstairs toilet. He is from Sheffield, and so he's got one of the Sheffield band's artwork signed in his toilet. Pulp. Britpop in the... They started in the 80s or 90s, but they came to prominence in the mid-90s with Common People was one of their songs. Disco 2000 being another. But also, one of them which really came to mind when I was pondering and talking through what to think about with today's sermon is a song called Misshapes. Misshapes, mistakes, misfits. Raised on a diet of broken biscuits, oh. We don't look the same as you. And we don't do the things you do. But we live round here too, oh really. Misshapes, mistakes, misfits. We'd like to go to town, but we can't risk it, oh. Because they just want to keep us out. You could end up with a smack in the mouth. Just for standing out now, really. Brothers, sisters, can't you see? The future's owned by you and me. There won't be fighting in the street. They think they've got us beat, but revenge is going to be so sweet. So it goes on. It's almost like the Magnificat in some ways. This group is downtrodden. And they're saying, you know, it's going to change. We're making a move. We're making it now. We're coming out of the sidelines. Things are going to change. The downtrodden are going to be raised up. People like the Who were doing it in the 60s come to that as well. For me, though, these song, this song resonates I too have been raised with a fondness for broken biscuits. My nan and her daughter, my aunt Val, used to always have them. In fact, last year I visited Val and the broken biscuits came out again. <laughs> then I realised Trago sell them. And then my weight starts going up as I struggle to resist buying a box. Sometimes these songs, just something clicks. Yes, there's a link to me. A link to us. Misshapes, mistakes, misfits. If you think about the season of Christmas and Epiphany, think about who have been the witnesses 
to Jesus. God made man. Today, the servants are the only ones who know where the wine from water came from. Not even the master of the banquet, we're told he didn't know. The servants, they knew. If we look back at Epiphany Sunday itself, it was the Magi, the foreign wise men from the East. Foreign, different, different religion, different background. They were witnesses. Jesus was baptised in the River Jordan by John the Baptist. Eating locusts. Wearing hair shirt. Not really one of the normal, respectable punters you'd expect. The shepherds, effectively outcasts. Going off to worship Jesus. As John was reflecting on in his sermon at Pont Lottin the other week. And then last week's gospel, even Jesus. Can anything good come out of Nazareth is a question. That place is dodgy. Anything from there is a mistake, a misshape, a misfit. But this is God made man. And then last week's Old Testament reading. Samuel, he didn't yet know the Lord, we are told. And then he's acknowledged as being a great prophet. In the midweek lectionary last Wednesday, we had David beating Goliath. And then think of Jesus' apostles. Matthew, the tax collector. Andrew and Peter, the uneducated fishermen. And then a bit later after the resurrection, Saul one moment was beating up Christians. The next, he was converted, forgiven, restored and becomes the apostle to the Gentiles. Misshapes, mistakes, misfits from the perspective of the world. But called by God, used by God. And this, in all honesty, was prophesied in the Magnificat after the angel's visitation to Mary. It's going to put down the mighty from their seat, lift up the lowly. The world's perspective is changing through Jesus. It's not about the influential getting more influential and the unimportant becoming less and less important. No. On the other hand, our attitude so often, individually or collective, can be, well, don't want that sort around here. They're a bit different, aren't they? Or, I remember he once said that, and because he said that, we can't have anything to do with him anymore. Or, well, I remember when she did that dodgy thing, so we can't have anything to do with her. Get that sort out. We can't have them involved. We want to be a pure church, don't we? That's not what we see in the scriptures. And so we end up holding grudges. Like Nathaniel, can anything good come out of that place? That person. And we hurt ourselves by cutting ourselves off. We literally shoot ourselves in the foot. Or maybe not literally. I hope. <coughs> Thankfully we don't have concealed <coughs> carry permits in this country. <laughs> in church. But we hold on to the past hurts. 
We hold on to them, they're comfortable. Don't let me let go of them. I know it hurts, but I'm, at least I know where I am. We prevent ourselves moving on, literally holding on to a chain that's pulling us in one direction. We're telling ourselves we want to be everything be perfect, but in an unrealistic, impossible way. I said that the two things I say are important in ministry, to actually be able to minister and grow in ministry, are spiritual direction and confession. They're linked, but they're not the same. Spiritual direction, thinking about our relationship with God. Thinking about our prayer life, thinking about our life. And then the confession. Think about, you, you know, this is when I failed. Sometimes it's the same person you go to for both. My spiritual director doesn't like hearing the confessions of those he directs because he sees it as being different. And it can almost make both difficult. I finally get round to going to confession. I'm useless at remembering to until suddenly woke up. It's too late. I need to do it. So just before Christmas, finally I managed to go to confession. I received those words of absolution. Those powerful words at the end of confession. Go in peace. Your sins have been put away and pray for me, a sinner also, the priest says. And I was quite literally in tears for several minutes afterwards with that reassurance that God had forgiven me sinner as I am forgiving ourselves is difficult though we, we're reassured we're forgiven then we beat ourselves up for doing this we're reassured we're forgiven we beat ourselves up again but we get over that and then you know God's forgiven us, we've accepted we're forgiven, but then we're holding on to these grudges, aren't we? Against each other, against other situations and things. I've seen it time and time in congregations, you know. Something's happened in the past. There's hurt. There's damage. And we cling on to it. We, we can't let ourselves get away from it. And it's, it's eating away at us for generations sometimes. We're told we forgive, we're told we've forgiven, but we can't quite get there. And it damages the church. You know, we're told, well, we're reminded, well, this person once did this. So we know that we're meant to be forgiven. We know we're meant to be forgiven, but we, we can't quite deal with them anymore. So we'll just keep infighting and not talking about it. You know, it's like when you start sweeping everything under the carpet and not talk about it, not acknowledge it, and it might go away. They sweep a bit more under the carpet. And then we notice there's an elephant in the room, so we sweep that under the carpet as well. And we can't quite get see over there because there's a great big load of dirt, dust, and an elephant under the carpet in the middle of the room, but we still won't admit it. It's useful for changing the light bulb because we can walk up over the elephant, but it's just a mess, and it's killing everything. We can't move up, let ourselves move on. It hurts. It hurts us. It hurts others. It hurts the church. It hurts God. But we can't quite step forward. Acknowledge each of us how we've messed up. Apologise for others how we've messed up. Acknowledge collectively what's gone wrong. 
Because we say that they're, they're sinners and we're perfect. Well, that's not the case. None of us is perfect. You remember the passage in the Gospel about the woman being stoned in adultery? Caught in adultery being stoned. And Jesus says, stop. If anyone is without sin, let them cast the first stone. And then suddenly, here's a bang, and something goes flying forward. And he turns around and says, Mother! Some of you will get the joke, some won't. There's a Catholic understanding that Mary, Our Lady, Mother of God, Theotokos, God-bearer, is without sin. Discuss. But the rest of us definitely are not. Anyone here perfect? My hands are about as far down as they can be. So if we're not perfect, why do we try to judge others expecting them to be perfect, beating themselves up for not being perfect, rather than saying, you know what, we've all messed up. What can we do to get reconciliation and repair relationships which have been damaged, stretched, strained, in, in little ways and big ways? You know, I know what it's like sometimes. I've had a disagreement with a friend or family member, and after a few days, well, I should phone them but I'm not sure what that, what that conversation is going to be like. So if I don't say anything, it might go away or they might make the first step. And then a bit longer, oh, they've not phoned me, or they must be really annoyed with me, or I'm not going to phone them if they're going to do that. And it goes on. And then finally, normally at a funeral, you see them. And there's a big hug and you run, there's actually nothing wrong at all that a hug wouldn't, a couple of kind words wouldn't fix. But instead, we've been beating ourselves up for years over it. Maybe that's just me. Maybe not. For the church of Jesus Christ to grow, we need to deal with our history, our baggage, our past hurts, instead of just sweeping it under the carpet and pretending it's not there. We need to stop convincing ourselves that we're perfect and everyone else is at fault. Because none of us are. I'm definitely not perfect. I'm impatient, some of you may have noticed. My mind can drift too easily to other things sometimes. I get easily frustrated. I drink too much tea, maybe that's just covering up for other things I might possibly should be doing. And either I'm concentrating on the bigger picture and not looking at the small details, or I'm concentrating on the small details and not looking at the bigger picture. Normally, the exact moment, I should be doing the opposite. I'm not perfect. None of us are. One of the first TV evangelists was Archbishop Fulton Sheen in the USA. And some words from him really hit a chord with me. He came to put a harlot above a Pharisee, a penitent robber above a high priest, and a prodigal son above his exemplary brother to all the phonies and fakers who would say they could not join the church because his church was not holy enough he would ask how holy must the church be before you will enter into it if the church were as holy as they wanted it to be they would never be allowed into it our blessed Lord brought a religion where the admission of sin 
is the condition of coming into of coming to him. Those who are well, those who are well, have no need of a physician, but those who are ill. Powerful words from him. He also therefore once went into a prison, addressed a group of prisoners, and said, "There's one difference between you guys and me. You got caught. We are all sinners." each and every one of us. And that's what the church was created for. In this time of epiphany, in this season of these revelations of who Jesus is, Jesus was revealed to normal, messed up people. People like you and me. And so often we see transformation in these people, in these situations. May we recognise our flaws as well as our gifts. May we acknowledge when we've messed it all up. May we apologise to those we have hurt. May we work to fix relationships. May we work for reconciliation between each other and in the world. May we accept that none of us are perfect, realising that we are still created in the image of God and known and loved by God. Misshapes, mistakes, misfits. Raised on a diet of broken biscuits, oh, we don't look the same as you. We don't do the things you do. But we live round here too. Oh, really? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.